Brian, what up, baby? What's going on, man? You obviously were 18 <laughs> when you started making money, right. and you came from nothing right. to making money. Did you ever stop and think, like, wow, I got to make these tough decisions at 21 and 22? Being a, like a, a first-generational moneymaker in the household is a scary thing. And for 18-year-old, I go from being sitting in classrooms in May, graduating high school, to being a multimillionaire a month later. You know, in June. From when we were kids, I mean, I was thinking about these as I was preparing for this, that we dealt with this on like a high level. All of a sudden we were in this, like, for me it was like, holy shit, now we're in this room and this shit is real. It's not like, I had that moment, we were sitting in that room at Reebok and Paul Fireman was very smart. He said to you, you know, I know you're gonna go see Nike and Adidas, but I'm gonna offer you $10 million Today, if you don't go see them and shake my hand, right. he offered, he wrote you a $10 million check in that room and you turned it down. I can't say I would have turned it down. I, <laughs> I mean, I think in the room, I said, yo, let's take this check and get the hell out of here. But you turned it down. Was it, so what was that th thinking? Do you, do you remember what right. you were thinking and why you did it? Right. I mean, I remember, first of all, it was a, the, one of the longest damn tables I've ever the seen in my longest life. Table, bo table yeah, yeah, ever. One of the longest boardroom table ever. longest boardroom tables I've ever seen in my life. And um, I had no idea what he was doing at the other end of the table. I just seen him writing. Yeah. And uh, he was talking, had his head down. He was making sure he didn't get anything wrong on that <laughs> on that check. And when he slid it down there and he said, listen, if you take this right now, you know, you just promised me you won't go talk to Nike or Adidas. You know, you can take this right now. And, and, and I was I was lost for words at the, at the beginning. I mean, shit, we flew in. I flew in from Akron, Ohio, yeah. from Spring from Hill. Spring Hill like, from the projects. From the projects. Yeah. I mean, our rent is like $17 a month. <laughs> exactly. And now I'm looking at a $10 million check. That you can leave with. Yeah, and go to high school and go back to the classroom the next, the day, next day. I was telling people that you were going to homeroom the next morning. I was going to homeroom the next morning. So I'm like, holy shit. That's my first initial thing. And then I... I for some odd reason, I started thinking, like, if this guy, which is a, he's a great guy, too. I still love guy. him to this day. He's Smart an unbelievable guy. guy. But if he's willing to give me a $10 million check right now, what is it to say that Nike or Adidas is not willing to give me 20 or 30 you know, up front? You know, or to say that maybe the upfront money is not even the biggest thing. You know, maybe let's start thinking about the back end. You know, and, you know, I've always... You know, and that comes from, you know, my uncles as well. Just, you know, never put all your eggs in one basket, you know, and give give it an opportunity. Give people an opportunity to, to say what they what they got to, to pitch themselves. And, you know, we, all, we always say, listen, we're going to hear all three companies. We want to hear all three companies, what they have to say, you know, what's their plan. And um, I, can't, I still can't believe I left that 10 million. I can't million. believe it either. Was there a point that it really clicked for you? Like, okay, now I understand actually the difference between equity and money. Like, like betting on myself long-term versus just getting some money today. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a question right there. And I think, I think when we started to look at our endorsement deals as partnerships, I think that's when a lot of it started clicking for me of saying, you know what, we're not just here to hold your product or we're not here just to talk your product. We're here to work with you to how we can figure out how that product may look better on that on that bookshelf, you know, and how we can live sometimes not with, without even me. Exactly. You know, and 
once we started doing that and I started seeing us become more and more and more seasoned at doing that, I was like, you know, there's no reason why we can't start our own thing yep. to a point where we can have our brainstorming opportunities where if we come up with something, people want to buy what we got. Of course. Yep. You know, and that's what I think that's what a, a lot of it um, had to do with. And just to say that you bet on yourself and you started from ground from the bottom. Yep. You started from the bottom and you've created something where you can look at it and say, wow, we, we did that. We did that. And we own that. Yep. And we own that. That's a, that's a, that's a really cool thing. Fellow teammates, welcome to another episode of the Move Swiftly podcast. I am your host, Aswan Crookshank, the founder of Gym 44 Recruiting and author of Swiftly, Your Guide to Innovative Teamwork. Teammates, during my last semester in college, I linked arms with a gentleman named Walter Ray. And Walter Ray is the founder of a nonprofit organization named Egos United. Egos, which stood for education, goals, opportunities, sports. Now, Walter Ray was primarily a basketball guy. That was his area of expertise. And when I first met him, I told him, hey, man, look, I, I want to be a football coach after I graduate. In fact, I want to coach in the NFL. You know, we got so, he got so excited. We, we were so, there was so much synergy in between both of us that he didn't realize that I was more on the football end and he was more on the basketball end. So from that point on, he let me use the ego's name to build a lot of connections, to do a lot of, to, to network with a lot of different football organizations. And I'm forever grateful for him for letting me do that. There had a time in which he set up a meeting. It was a meeting at an IHOP in College Park, which is College Park, Maryland, which is not too far from the University of Maryland. He set up a meeting between myself and a gentleman named Roland Grimes. Roland Grimes, he played at Syracuse. He's a football guy. He just one of them old school guys that really had a lot of information, just real good people to know. And I remember during that breakfast, as he introduced me to Roland, he goes, hey, man, you know, this, this is Oswan. He wants to coach in the NFL one day, and I just want you guys to sort of meet and figure out how we can help this young brother on his journey. I, that, those were Walter Ray's specific words. <laughs> and I remember, listen, I remember Roland Grimes just looking down. And this is, like I said, this is a gentleman who knows a lot of people. He, he played with, I want to say played with Floyd Little, but he's, he's part of that Syracuse network with which was Jim Brown, you know, Ernie Davis, who, you know, the late Ernie Davis who passed away. But he knows, he has a lot of history. And as soon as Walter Ray introduced me and told him what I wanted to do, he sort of looked down, Roland looks down and he goes, we can't teach Oswand how to coach an NFL team. We got to teach Oswand how to own an NFL team. And that brings me to the topic of today's discussion, teammates is how do you own your business? You have got to figure out ways to own it. Whatever it is in your life, ownership 
is the only way that you're going to be free. Ownership, ownership, ownership. Very important. Now, we had a great meeting. There was so many things that were said, so many nuggets that I took away from that meeting that that would require an episode all in itself. All right. Right now, I just want to discuss with you guys the steps towards ownership and how how specifically do you get there? How you're in your situation right now? How do you get to a place of ownership? And this is a very important time to have this discussion, given all the things that have gone on with COVID, myself included. There's a lot of decisions that need to be made and they need to be made today, right now. Just a few months ago, I attended a conference that was hosted by JT Fox. That's J-T-F-O-X-X, J-T Fox, who is the world's number one wealth coach. Just check him out, Google him, you'll find a ton of information out, out there on him. He has some pretty good stuff. During this conference, I took away two things, two things that I want to pass along to you guys. Number one, in, in regards to business ownership, first thing, if you keep talking about money, you'll never make any. Please, teammates, do yourselves a favor, jot that one down. If you keep talking about money, you're never going to make any. And I know that could be a little confusing to a lot of people given how much we need money to survive. But if you're really going to go for the distance and go the long haul, you got to be driven by something completely different. It's got to be about what you love. All right. The money can't be the thing that that takes you there. All right. Jot that down. Next thing. Very next thing that I took away. JT Fox posed this question. He asked, do you own a business or did you just pay to have another job? (laughs) And teammates, that's one that really resonates with me because I'm in that situation. I've lived that situation on multiple occasions. Being in fitness and being in athletics, that's particularly the problem. There are people who spend their money thinking that they're gonna own something because they bought into a franchise or they bought in, they, they sponsored this or sponsored that, whatever it is, they, they spent a ton of money, but all they did was pay to have another job. And we have to understand that there, there's a difference. We have to really lock in and ask ourselves, we gotta go back into what we learned as kids to really be able to find a medium, find a a place of comfort, find a balance between owning a business and finding another job. And it's all about questions. Now, again, I was blessed because I had two incredible parents. One was his own boss. My father was his own boss for years. And my mother is an incredible employee. So I got the opportunity to see both sides and understand that there is a balance and there needs to be a balance between employee and business ownership. There needs to be an understanding between the two. Here, I'll, I'll give you a, a few examples. Here's the best piece of advice that I got from my mother. It was way back when President Obama was still in office. And as you guys know, I grew up in Maryland and there was so much excitement when Obama finally won him. First black president, there was so much of an imprint, there's so, such a lasting impression he had on the community. He's in the White House, a brother in the White House. All right. During his two terms, there was a time in which he was addressing the nation in the State of the Union address. 
and it was me, my mother, my father, and we were watching President Obama address the nation. And we all know him as an incredible public speaker and just all the great, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant president, brilliant guy, just brilliant guy in general. When President Obama was talking during that, that time, he quoted Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln like it was nothing. He just, he was speaking and then and boom, he said one of Abraham Lincoln's most famous quotes. And as, as soon as he said it, it's like it hit my mother. You know, it's like she, she felt him through the TV screen. She was just like, whoa. <laughs> and she stopped what she was doing and she just looks at me and she goes, you see, son, you got to know your shit. Teammates, <laughs> of all the things that my mother and I have talked about, of all the conversations that we've had and we've had plenty, that by far was the biggest takeaway. That, that by far is the main thing that I've taken away from my mother. It's you have to know your shit. And I want you guys to, I want that to really hammer home for you guys. Hammer it home right now. Whether you want to be a great employee or whether you want to be a business owner, you have got to know your shit. You got to know your shit cold. All right. It was sage advice. Jot that down. Know my shit. Now, my father was different. As I mentioned, he has worked for himself for a very, very long time. Since, since way before I was even in high school. I, the last time I remember having him, him having an actual job for every two weeks, I, I can't even remember it. it. It was, man, I was really young when he actually had to go to work. Now, when he first decided to branch, on the, branch off to run his own business and do things on his own, he had a partner. His partner's name was Richard. And Richard and him had an office in Rockville, Maryland. And when my father decided to leave Richard and move to an office in Silver Spring and really do his own thing, really be, be an entrepreneur, be his own man, and he, the name of his company is Architectural Solutions, he's, <clears throat> he's been an architect and he's into that world, he loves math and all that kind of stuff. The time when he decided to move from Rockville to Silver Spring is when I learned the most about business ownership, at least from my dad. All right. We got he had me and my sister help him move one weekend. And while we were helping him move and we you know I was complaining the whole time because I got to move computers it's early in the morning and you know I have to do all this stuff that I really don't feel like doing and I'd rather be at home playing video games. So I asked Richard who was my father's partner. I asked him, "Man, dog, why is he even leaving anyway? What's what's the point of him going off and branching on his own anyway? Why can't he just stay there?" Because you know, I didn't feel like moving all this stuff. And Richard said something that was very key. Richard said, you know, your father has just simply said to himself, he can do it on his own, so why not? <laughs> and there you have it. That was, of all the things, of all the lessons that my father has taught me throughout my, throughout my life, that was the, probably the best lesson that I've learned because it didn't come from him. It came from someone that knew him very well. And someone who had the same dream of, you know, being their own boss and making, making it so they can support their family, their families based on their 
own hours, working their own hours and doing living the American dream of having your own business. Those were two guys, Richard and my father wanted that. So when Richard said that, it really struck me as a kid. It really did. And as I mentioned, this was, this was way before I even got to high school. And I looked at my father different ever since that because that was that third party, that was that third party validation where this is his partner, Richard, saying to him, saying to his son, if your father can do it on his own, so why not? All right, teammates, and this brings me to my next point, which is, well, right now, right now I'm reading this book titled The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. And she says something that's very key. She says, there's never going to be a right time there's only going to be the right now. That's a powerful one. It's a powerful one. All right. There's never going to be the right time to start a business. There's never going to be the right time to do those things that you want to do. The only thing you have is the right now. And what it, what it's saying is as you launch into this business, as you go into Becoming an owner and being your own boss and doing and living this dream that you have in your head You've got to understand that you have to put things in priority. There has to be priorities Your number one priority needs to be your family It needs to be your, what your family's okay with and then you can launch in and, and do whatever it is You want to do from a business standpoint from a work standpoint but there's always going to be a tug of war between your family and your business. There's always going to be clashes there. That's why it's important that you find that balance. All right. Never going to be a right time. The only there's only going to be a right now. I'll give you an example because I as I got it as I it became time for me to become my own man and become my own boss and get into the working world, these were the things that I was facing with. These are the things that I was dealing with every day is trying to figure out how to find a balance between business ownership and family. Now, if there's one thing I wish I had grown up, the one thing I miss, I wish I had growing up was I wish I had an older brother or a younger brother. And this is, that's not to say that, you know, I didn't love my older sister. I love my older sister very much, but there were just certain things as a football player that you wish you, you had a, a brother that can talk to you directly about what, what's going on or just people that you can share things with as a football guy. Now, because I didn't have that growing up, a lot of the, the teammates that I had became like brothers, and a lot of the people that I worked with at the gyms that I've worked with, they became like brothers to me. One of those guys was a guy named Omar Powell. Omar was like an older brother to me. And he, he and I linked arms when I was 19. He was, the, he was a trainer at the gym that I worked at, at the first gym I worked at. Now, a few months before I moved to Florida, Omar talked me into signing up to a network marketing company named Amway, which I'm sure most of my listeners out there, I'm sure you guys have heard of Amway. Now, he talked me into doing it, and <laughs> it's funny because what he said, we, I remember we were at a stained glass pub, and the very first thing he said to me when he was talking me into signing up, he says, why would you not 
<laughs> and it was literally the same thing that Richard said about my dad. Why would you not? So it was almost like as soon as he said that, it was like, ugh, he pulled on the high strings. It's like, now nah, I got to do it. You know, it was pride that set in. Now, I can remember it was like a week before I moved to Florida. He and I got into like a really heated discussion. And I, I wrote a little bit about this in Swiftly. Omar and I got into a really heated discussion because I didn't like the fact that he didn't, that I had to go and uh, approach people and tell them that I own a business, but then I, they go through an info session, they got to do this, they got to do that, but I can't tell them out. I, I didn't like the fact that I had to hide the, hide being a business owner. They have to use other language, use, say something like, I'm not a business owner, I work with some investors. There was all kinds of bullshit that you have to say or scripts that you have to use when you're approaching people about you know, getting them involved with the Amway business. And I didn't like it. I, I just wanted to be direct with people. And he and I really started clashing. All right? And for a while, I felt really bad because you, know, you feel like you let your older brother down. You know, he vouched for me. He did a lot of things to, to get me started. He made a lot of calls. He did, he did everything he could to really make me a success in the business. And I'm happy it's been successful for him, or at least I think it's been successful for him. I haven't spoken to him in a while. But for a while there, I, was, I felt really bad because I, let, I felt like I let an older brother down. And then a couple years later, I reconnected with another teammate of mine who became like a younger brother to me. His name was Taj Deshaun. And if you guys go back to the first episode, you'll, you'll hear how he and I connected. And yeah, he was, you know, Taj was like a little brother to me when I was at Stony Brook. Now, Taj was an Amway rep as well. And he agreed with me. He, I, I, I remember speaking to him year, a couple months before that interview. And I remember Taj telling me everything that I was saying about Amway. He said, hey, bro, I don't know if you've heard about this company called Amway, but I, I used to do it. And the reason he stopped doing it was the same reason I stopped doing it, is we didn't like the fact that we couldn't be direct when telling people what we do. Just wasn't us. Now, there's nothing wrong with Omar. There was nothing wrong with Taj. There was nothing wrong with me. There was just a difference. Omar has four kids and a wife. What does that mean? That means he had to make his family a priority. And when his family was okay with something, then he can go out and make this Amway business a success. And I'm not saying anything negative about the Amway business. It's an incredible company. But you see how he had that foundation and it was so important to him first and foremost that his family was a priority. Now, Taj and I, we, didn't, we don't have kids and we don't have a wife that we have to keep happy and all that stuff. All we, so we didn't have to, to settle for an Amway business. We can continue to create content on our own. And that's my point. That's the point I want you guys to really take away. Ask yourself in your current situations, what's your family going to be okay with first? All right. Really understand that it's an individual thing. Bring you back to the beginning. All right. Own. I was one can't teach Oswan to just coach an NFL team. I teach Oswan how to own an NFL team, right? And I'm, I'm passing this along to you guys to understand. Ownership is very important, but don't be selfish. Ownership is not just about you. That's where things get deceiving. That's where we get a, really confused about what it is we want to do with our lives. 
All right. We start to hear the words, I own this and I own this. And we start making selfish decisions. Don't do that. Don't make that mistake. When you own something, it is just, it is just as much everyone else's as it is yours. Don't let that title go to your head. And I'll close with this. When I was in, when I was spending a lot of time in Ocean City and I, I linked, arm with, linked arms with Bryant Mitchell. Bryant Mitchell, who was the business professor at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. What I would do during that time is I would sit in on a lot of his classes. He was an entrepreneurship, he taught the entrepreneurship classes. And I remember sitting in on one of his classes, and after his classes, I, you know, I'd go and talk to Brian a little bit, and I'd say, man, that was, that was cool, entrepreneurship, huh? And he, he told me something about the project that he was having the kids do. And I was asking him question after question. I was going to say, okay, this, this is what you do, blah, 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 blah. And he said, the, the only thing you have to worry about as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, whatever it is you want to call yourself, is creating shareholder value. All right, teammates, that's it. Doesn't matter what the slogan of the company is. Doesn't matter what the logo is. Doesn't matter what the name is. Doesn't matter. Any, none of that shit matters. The only thing that matters is if it's every day you're creating value for a group of investors. That's what shareholders are, if you didn't know. Create shareholder value. And it's the same thing I want to pass along to you guys. Whether you're an employee or whether you're a business owner, the only thing you have to think about is how do I do what I do every day? How does it help a large group of people who are invested in me? All right, who are invested in not only me, but invested in the things I'm doing and invested in the vision that I have. All right, fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We'll talk more soon. President of the United States. I come to embrace the notion that I haven't done enough in my life. I heartily concur. I come to affirm that one's title, even a title like President of the United States, says very little about how well one's life has been led that no matter how much you've done or how successful you've been, there's always more to do, always more to learn, and always more to achieve. And I want to say to you today that despite having achieved a remarkable milestone in your life, despite the fact that you and your families are so rightfully proud, you, too, cannot rest on your laurels. Not even some of those remarkable young people who were introduced early. You can't rest. Your own body of work is also yet to come. Now, some graduating classes have marched into this stadium in easy times, times of peace and stability when we call on our graduates simply to keep things going and don't screw it up. For we gather here tonight in times of extraordinary difficulty for the nation and for the world. The economy remains in the midst of a historic recession, the worst we've seen since the Great Depression, the result in part of greed and irresponsibility that 
rippled out from Wall Street and Washington as we spent beyond our means and failed to make hard choices. We're engaged in two wars and a struggle against terrorism. The threats of climate change, nuclear proliferation, and pandemic defy national boundaries and easy solutions. For many of you, these challenges are also felt in more personal terms. Perhaps you're still looking for a job or struggling to figure out what career path makes sense in this disrupted economy. Maybe you've got student loans. No, you definitely have student loans. <laughs> or credit card debts. And you're wondering how you'll ever pay them off. Maybe you've got a family to raise. And you're wondering how you'll ensure that your children have the same opportunities you've had to get an education and pursue their dreams. Now, in the face of these challenges, it may be tempting to fall back on the formulas for success that have been peddled so frequently in recent years. It goes something like this. You're taught to chase after all the usual brass rings. You try to be on this who's who's list or that top 100 list. You, you chase after the big money and you figure out how big your corner office is. You worry about whether you have a fancy enough title or a fancy enough car. That's the message that's sent each and every day, or has been in our culture for far too long, that through material possessions, through a ruthless competition pursued only on your own behalf, that's how you will measure success. Now, you can take that road and it may work for some. But at this critical juncture in our nation's history, at this difficult time, let me suggest that such an approach won't get you where you want to go. It displays a poverty of ambition. That, in fact, the elevation of appearance over substance, of celebrity over character, of short-term gains over lasting achievement is precisely what your generation needs to help end. Now, <laughs> ASU, I, I want to highlight, I want to highlight two main problems with that old, tired, me-first approach to life. First of all, it distracts you from what's truly important. And it may lead you to compromise your values and your principles and your commitments. Think about it. It's in chasing titles and status, in worrying about the next election rather than the national interest and the interests of those who you're supposed to represent that politicians so often lose their ways in Washington. They spend time thinking about polls, but not about principles. It was in pursuit of gaudy short-term profits and the bonuses that came with them that so many folks lost their way on Wall Street. 
engaging in extraordinary risks with other people's money. In contrast, the leaders we revere, the businesses and institutions that last, they are not generally the result of a narrow pursuit of popularity or personal advancement, but of devotion to some bigger purpose, the preservation of the Union, or the determination to lift a country out of a depression, the creation of a quality product, a commitment to your customers, your workers, your shareholders, and your community, a commitment to make sure that an institution like ASU is inclusive and diverse and giving opportunity to all. That's the hallmark of real success. That's what people don't understand about me. It ain't that I can make so many albums and, and just keep going. Like, how the fuck you do that? Because it's me. It's yeah, really me. Exactly. Like, I, I'm just talking what I go through. Whatever it is. And be it good, I might say the worst shit in the world. But yeah, it's, it's me. True. But then you're saying shit that make people in the hood do crime. If you're going you're gonna to do it because you want to do it. But then you, know, you don't help them. Like, you saying... <laughs> That you sold drugs, and, and that you my, got a gun, that this, that, that. My moms are not, yo, nigga, I'm, I'm, it's all good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? More, more so tell now. Them, you turn them the downfall of whatever yeah. good. Yeah, the evil. Yeah, the bad talking, side of it. Yeah. It's heaven and then there's hell, niggas. Yeah. One day you cruising in the seven, the next day you, your alibis ain't matching up. Bullshit catching up. You hit with the Rico, they repo that vehicle. Shit was all good just a week ago. About to start snitching, ain't you? Ready to start bitching, ain't you? I forgive you. I forgive you. Hustling just ain't you. Aside from the fast cars, honeys yeah. that shake their ass in bars, you know you wouldn't be involved with the underworld dealers, carriers of Mac Millie, East Coast bodies, West Coast cat pillars, little monkey niggas turn gorillas. These are my rhymes, B. This is my first album. I blow a digit on the diamond in the minute, but no bitches. Watch how I'm walking, cause even the thoroughest niggas be knocking, trying to. 
to strike a bargain hoping that they might get pardoned Shit I'm in Broadway got me pins and needles And my cerebral bees the wicked is evil Thoughts that this more to feed you p facts in the game so deep things can catch up Freeze off my kneecap can y'all believe that Got the city drinking crystals we up the feet Rappers going broke trying to keep up with me My rise the riches surprise the bitches think harder You know this nigga Jay-Z, Sean Carter G.S. the fuck up, G.S. the fuck up Watch me shine like a bright let me get the fuck up All rhymers forget it like Alzheimer's Small timers, I said it, I'm addressing all drama Talk to me Who wouldn't? Is this kind of talk that make me think you probably ain't got no putting? Niggas got them kind of dreams from jail. You in the streets, nigga, make your moves, get your mail. Niggas are coasting the SL, but can't post bail. Niggas are roasting L, but scared to throw your toast. Well, I'm here to tell niggas it ain't all swell. It's heaven, then it's hell, niggas. One day you're cruising in your seven, next day you're sweating, forgetting your lies. Alibis ain't matching up, bullshit catching up. Here with the Rico, they repo your vehicle. Everything was all good just a week ago. About to start bitching, ain't you? Ready to start snitching, ain't you? I forgive your weak ass, hustling just ain't you. Aside from the fast cars, honeys that shake they ass and bars. You know you wouldn't be involved with the underworld dealers, carriers of Mac Millers, East Coast bodies, West Coast cat pillars. Little monkey niggas turn gorillas. Stopped in the station, filled up on octane, and now they're not sane and not playing. That goes without saying, slaying they. Day in and day out with money playing, then they break you out. Trying to escape my own mind, lurking the enemy, representing infinity with presidencies, you know. Alright, now, fitting that we all playing games here, being that we all players, you know. Monopoly is a perfect game for us, you know. Right, you know, somebody land on your property, they gotta pay, you know what I'm saying? But you know what we're gonna do, man? We're gonna stop this game, man. We're gonna play for real, man. Let's, let's get it on, man. Let's lock this all down. I like the night talking. He's talking something. Let's get real. 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 Let's get real.